0: Hello and welcome back to Reeling in the Piers. My name is Gary O'Brien and this is where I get some of my very good friends on to chat about and discuss all kinds of movies. And joining me today, once again, it's Mark Tutty, and he's here to talk about Taika Waititi's 2019 comedy drama, Jojo Rabbit. So stick around, we hope you enjoy. Mr. Mark Tutty, you're back again. Welcome well how are you getting on i'm i'm not too bad i am i'm very happy we have you back
1: ah glad to be here i'm enjoying the podcast so far
0: i'd oh, love to hear it love to hear it
1: and um, not nice to be back Um not much has happened you know still the world still fucked
0: yeah pretty much <laughs> <The one constant laughs> from episode six or seven i think you were episode six from whatever episode you were to like whatever episode this is the world is still fucked
1: yeah, like, we probably didn't think the podcast would be going this long, because the idea of the podcast is a lockdown project. Yeah,
0: and and then, like, most recently, it's been extended another nine weeks, and I'm like, well, there goes my evenings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, to tell you what, as much as it sometimes feels like work, it didn't feel like work when I had to watch this fantastic movie you picked.
1: Yeah, the movie, Jojo Rabbit, directed by Taika Waititi. Um, if you explain to someone what the movie is, they'll be like, wait, what? <laughs> 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 um yeah, so I suppose some reason the movie I suppose it's so movie director. Well actually before
0: you, co- you explain it, sorry, I'm just gonna ask why did you pick this? What 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 mate, what drove you to pick this movie?
1: Um I think it's just a movie. I, I, I went into looking at it pretty blind. I seen the trailer. and um, it had it's like this just looks quirky and that's exactly what it was. I didn't get seen in the cinema. Um seen it when it came out on D V D or on now T V eventually. And I was like oh it's just gonna be a bit of a satire easy watch but it is generally laugh out loud funny at times it is extremely sad at times and I think mm-hmm. it one of the movies that draws the line of satire perfectly mm-hmm. um, yeah. so it is a touchy subject it's World War 2 it's Nazi Germany it's a Jewish girl in hiding but like you never feel like you just take yourself too classic comedy. Classic comedy material. <laughs> it's got all the elements of it. <laughs> you know all those classic cliche comedy movies yeah, about the Jewish girl and Janet. exactly. Oh my god.
0: Yeah. Um, um, so yeah,
1: it's just I don't know. I felt it very enjoyable. Not that long, enjoyable movie.
0: Very true. Um, so yeah, so I suppose for people that don't know what it is and maybe don't really understand why it's a comedy, <laughs> would, you, would you care to explain?
1: Yeah, so it follows a young boy jo- called Jojo, who enters the Nazi youth. Um, it's his first weekend at a, at a camp, not a concentration one. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so his best friend in his head, his imaginary friend, is Adolf Hitler, who is played mm-hmm. by the comedy director generally, Taika Waititi, a Jewish yeah. Maori man. Um, so we learn that his mom is very anti-Nazi Germany. His mom is hiding a girl in the roof, and it's Basically, a coming of age story, um, for the character Jojo, um, it's pretty much what it is. And you see the ridiculousness of Nazi Germany. There's lots of laughs there's sadness in it. Um, pretty much just story, follow his story
0: yeah and, and it, is, it is that it is that weird coming of age stuff uh, movie like i kind of got i don't know about you i got like these weird like you know like those movies set in like old britain and like the 70s and the 80s about like some kid who's like finding his way in the world and stuff like this movie kind of has the same vibe as that but then you kind of catch yourself and you're like wait what am i talking about this is nazi germany how am i comparing the two it, do, it, it does a weird job of kind of comparing them but also making it quite distinct
1: yeah, completely. Like it is a complete coming-of-age story for a kid growing up in the Nazi youth. You can—he's literally a fanatic about Nazi Germany, but you don't think he's a bad guy because he's just a ten-year-old kid. But yeah. he's—you can see in the movie it's a ten-year-old kid who's given a knife and a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> so like it, so like it doesn't downplay. Like it does it comedically, but it also makes you realize like, oh shit, that's what it was like.
0: Yeah, and I think I, I think just my biggest thing about this movie when I first saw it was, um, it's quite interesting you said you didn't see it in the cinema and you laughed out loud. uh, Because I had kind of the opposite experience because I went to go see it in the cinema. And it was a movie I don't think a lot of people knew what they were allowed to laugh at and what they weren't Mm. allowed to laugh at. So there'd be a lot of, it was very strange because there'd be times where I'd think something would be really funny and I'd laugh. But not enough of the other people laughed, and I was like, "Oh wait, am I am I a bad person for laughing at that?" But then there'd be other bits when something is definitely not funny, but someone just says like, "You've like you fucking Jew or something," and then there was like one guy who just laughed. who laughed at all that stuff, and you're like, "Oh no, no, no!" I was like, as bad as I may think I feel, that guy, he's in the wrong maybe. But yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a weird one because you. You don't know what you should and shouldn't laugh at. Where does it draw the line? Is it a funny topic? Like, it, it is a kind of controversial in that, say, in that sense. And what's even funnier is that it technically Disney uh, it distributed it as well because they had bought Fox and this was a Fox movie. So technically Disney had to produce it. And it's weird to think that Disney are semi-responsible for this movie.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a movie where you're like, I'm surprised it got made in Nowadays because, but I think it does draw the line perfectly. And I think it does show that, like, movies like this can still be made in the era we live in. isn't like, a lot of people say that Tropic Thunder might be the end of this type movie, where it's complete yeah. satire over the top with slightly dodgy undertones of a serious topic. But it's like, no, these movies can still be done when they're done properly.
0: It's, it's mad because, like, this was, I think he wrote this, like, in 2014. He wrote it between two of his other movies. I can't remember He which. wrote
1: it in 2011 between Boy and in, What We Do In The Shadows, I think.
0: Ah, that's it. So, but it only really got greenlit after Thor Ragnarok.
1: Yeah, so pretty much he's the in-director at the moment. So he got approval through this movie. And apparently he went to Fox, wanted to make this movie. And the condition was that if you play Hitler, you can make the movie.
0: Which I think is an interesting, like, because I know he's, he, he was, like, talking about, like, he was on, like, talk shows and stuff. And, like, yeah, we had to, like, direct his cast and crew while in costume. And I just... Just for pure, like I think that's some of the funniest shit in the movie. When you think about like the fact that he had to wear like a full getup, and like you say, he's this Mar- he's this Jewish Mary descent and stuff, and it's it that's uh, that's a joke in itself, even though it's not technically referenced in the movie.
1: Yeah, like I can't imagine him being an angry director, but I'd love to see him going on a rant while he was in the phone <laughs> there.
0: <getting> <laughs> or he's just like he's complaining about his Uber; it's not getting here on time. Yeah. And he's just like shouting on the phone.
1: Or do you ever see the photos of him when he's asleep on set?
0: Ah, oh, I think I've seen that. As well. yeah, yeah, so I'd love to
1: see one of him in the full Nazi gear while he's like that as well.
0: <laughs> um, okay, yeah, so um, he's one of like a f- of a fantastic cast of characters in this movie. Um, like this, there's, there's some of mine that are like my personal favorites, but I suppose we'll start with the titular character in Jojo. Uh, as like you say, we meet him; he's like a fanatic for the Nazi party and. You kind of see him going to like, it's like a summer camp he's going to. That's the kind of the premise of it, isn't that? Like you've got him, he's like getting prepared, he's getting dressed up and he's, you know, uh, he's with his ca- counsellors who are also like colonels and lieutenants in the Nazi army and stuff. Um, but what, what do you think of your man? Oh, what's his name? I forget it. Uh, uh, Roman Griffith Davis. He plays a young German boy who's a member of Duchess Jungvolk.
1: Yeah, he. I think he's terrific. Carries the movie really. Like he's the main character. Um, you totally believe that he's just a Nazi fanatic back then. Like, um, but he has the innocence about him as well. Like, you don't. It's easy to see a ten-year-old Nazi and be like, oh, he's a dick. <laughs> but like, <laughs> um, so sort of like, no, like you feel sorry for him. You understand that like he doesn't really understand what he's saying, but yeah. you really do understand that he hates Jews. He completely is pro-Nazi. But never gone too far that you don't feel kind of sorry for him a little bit as well, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think he's terrific in it. I think the whole cast is, like, he is complete... I think it's his first movie. Yeah. Um. Pretty much his first movie. Um, the girl who plays Elsa as well, it's her first
0: movie as far as I know. Mackenzie. McKenzie.
1: Mackenzie. McKenzie. Um, yeah, The both Kiwis, I think, as well. Both from New Zealand, I think.
0: Are they both from New Zealand? I thought it was just her. Is it him as well? I think so, is he not? Jesus, like the tight T doesn't like he loves he loves his new zealand actors i love it just keep it in the fam exactly in this small tiny fam that is new zealand
1: um yeah um scarlett johansson i forgot she was in it when i actually went to see it then she was in i was like is that scarlett johansson
0: this was the year so this was the year scarlett johansson had this and marriage story and was like nominated for like i think i I know she was nominated for this i don't know and she was also nominated for like marriage story and this was also like Endgame as well. So she went from like Endgame to this to like Marriage Story. She's had a great year.
1: Which are three very different movies.
0: Incredibly, <laughs> Marriage Story. Marriage Story is about a mother who's really struggling to like you know keep it all together. This one she plays the most perfect ideal mother, and that she's able to easily care for this. What you call it? child who goes against her beliefs but she loves him anyway and you know does everything for him even though she's also trying to like hide this Jewish girl upstairs and then also you know um, raise the child by by herself. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's another superhero movie actually when you think of it.
1: Uh, yeah it's a very odd movie. Then we got Sam Rockwell in there.
0: Oh my god he is the greatest man. I honestly think he's the greatest actor of like Recent times, he beats anything. Like when you consider that he was like he was nominated. I don't know if he was nominated for, was he nominated for this? I know he was. He, he was in this anyway. That he was also in Vice. Then before that, he was in like three billboards, and that's like three years of like three phenomenal performances.
1: It's three years in a row. Where he was like Oscar-nominated movies, pretty much. I think, <sighs> I just,
0: like, and like he doesn't. I wouldn't say it's his best role, by like by any means. But I still think like. It, it's such a small character it's not a small character but it's a character that's kind of just in it um, but still like I think he just brings so much to it oh yeah he's just
1: in it but in fairness he has his, his key parts in it I'm sure we gets them later on he does have yeah. a good few good parts like compared to Alfie Allen who's very much just in it
0: yeah, I was a bit disappointed. He, he was like, he was giving it socks though. He really was yeah. like, um, what you call it. So like, I suppose like Sam Rockwell, he plays like this army officer who like runs this camp and then his like second in command is Alfie Allen. Um, and he like, it's funny cause like, the, well, there is that you know, insinuation that the two of them are actually together, like as a couple, but it's never really spoken about. But like I love just this he's just like this perfect little like second in command that's always repeating what he says and like screams at like louder and stuff and puts on this ridiculous german German accent. So like he's not he's not he doesn't have much to do, but whatever he does do, he's he's pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's nice to him get. like he's he seems sound as well on Instagram or whatever he seems, so like it's nice small that's part, him. but yeah. He Sports yeah. he's support, he supports Arsenal.
0: Ah oh, boo! Oh no. Fucking you know, he was right to have his dick chopped off in Game of Thrones.
1: Yeah, he has a he's a very good Arsenal documentary I would recommend. Oh, boo. About the Invincibles,
0: you know? Oh no, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm not letting you plug any Arsenal so
1: boo. I'm sure Tottenham will have a documentary about when they came forth.
0: Uh we have a documentary about how we didn't finish in the top four last season, and it's <laughs> called All or Nothing where the answer is nothing. <laughs> um who else you got in this we got uh rebecca wilson's in it for a bit she kind of has a very small role
1: yeah um it's kind of random that she's in it because she kind of just is like quite a big actor as well like and she really does not much at all
0: i i feel like i feel like it's like do you want to be in a taika watiti movie and you're just like the answer is just always yes no matter how small the part so i feel like i think that's why she would probably said yes i'd imagine like it's very rare to get in one of his movies because you know you have you have to be, like, in a Star Wars or a Marvel movie. So whenever he does something, like, more indie, I'd say you just jump on the chance of it. In
1: fairness, she is in one of my favourite scenes. Uh, so, kind of, can we go into the movie a bit?
0: Yeah, yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, the only other person I want to talk about was Steve Merchant. But, like, he has a whole scene we could talk about later.
1: Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so one of the opening scenes is basically where we see Sam Rockwell's character. I'm not going to try playing pronounce because they're all German names.
0: Uh, I can, I can, uh, so you got Cap, he plays Captain Klenzeldorf. Klenzeldorf.
1: So Captain Klenzeldorf is basically introducing... He's on stage, saying hello to all the kids. Telling all the boys, this is what you'll be doing. You'll be doing missile throwing. You'll be doing knife throwing. You'll be doing this and that. You'll be doing all army fun stuff. And then Rebel Wilson comes on. Now for the women. Like these 10-year-old girls. I'm like, so you'll be learning how to have kids.
0: <laughs> you'll be learning how to make beds and have children. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and was just one of my favourite throwaway gags in it. It's great.
0: And it's not a weird thing. It's, it, it's funny because it's true. It's not like... It's, it's unfortunate that it's true, but it's funny because, like, they they do it in more of a more comedic sense because that would never have been addressed in that way, but, like, it's still, like, that's why they went there. It's fairly grim. But.
1: Yeah. It's just nice. Like, they made literally that type joke and it, it sticks and it fits with the movie yeah. without being controversial, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um, she, is she... Her, speaking of favourite scenes at Rebel Wilson, my favourite one is, and this is when I... This is a classic moment where I didn't know when to laugh because uh, in this camp, after they're kind of all on stage, there's, like, this lesson where she has like this blackboard and she's like right how do we identify a Jew and then it's uh, they're just saying like these like fairy tale things like horns tails and and there's one, one kid's like scales like yes yes very good everyone knows that the <laughs> like Jewish people have scale and I just remember laughing because it was just so bizarre but it was one of the things that didn't get a laugh in the cinema and I was like oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh no uh,
1: yeah. oh yeah like it's just ah oh, it's great <laughs> um, yeah so the opening scene then we kind of get the montage of Sort of them like just doing a bit of training, doing the I think they're trying to get into a fortress or something, some training like that, some army techniques. And then we see one of my other favourite scenes is the best friend who was as York, Yorkie. Yorkie, who was clearly inspired by Sam from Lord of, from Rings. Lord of the Rings because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's just the nicest person. We see him throw a knife to go straight into a kid's leg,
0: <laughs> he like throws a tree of pants on him right in the leg. <laughs> Um, yeah he just he's this character who like they're best friends but they don't uh, he just they, they kind of separate ways uh, throughout the movie but yet they just seem to keep finding a way he just he just doesn't die Yorkie basically there's all these things that happens where you shouldn't see Yorkie again but you keep seeing Yorkie again and it, it Yorkie's like amazement at seeing um, you know, Jojo again is the same as us as the audience, being like, "You're still alive!" Like we saw you with a rocket launcher earlier. You should be dead.
1: Oh, the great scene where he's carrying the rocket launcher and drops it, and just blows up a building.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like people died, but that's hilarious. Yeah, because you
1: see Yorkie's head drop in sadness, like, "Oh no."
0: That's actually one of the things that pissed me out because that was in the trailer, and that's one of the funniest bits of the movie. And you kind of, I knew it was coming, so yeah. like that's unfortunate. But yeah, what else happens at that camp? There, I suppose
1: um, it's the so yeah, that's where Jojo. A weird scene because I don't get why. Colin... Sonia, someone... explains it to me. So Basically, Alfie Allen's character is like, "Oh Jojo, you're not Alfie Allen's character. I wonder the basically camp bullies. Yeah. It's like, oh Jojo, you're just scared. You don't, you will not you have no fight in you. So like, you kill this rabbit. <laughs>
0: As you do. As you do.
1: Um, so Jojo refuses to kill the rabbit because it's trying to show that like, Jojo is actually just like an innocent kid. You just want to hurt anybody. He's yeah. just playing Nazi, basically. Yeah. Um, and he refuses to kill it and runs away. And they start calling him a rabbit. It's like a scared rabbit.
2: Which yeah. I
1: don't think it's a massive
0: insult, but... No, but, like, I would like to be called one, but at no. the same time, like, like, you could have called him Jojo Dickhead. Like, I <laughs> think that, that would have drove the message home a um, lot more. So,
1: yeah, he refuses to kill the rabbit. He runs into the forest, um, which leads to one of the best scenes, is when he... Him and Hitler have this little pep talk where he's like, No no Jojo, you're an, you're a good rabbit basically. And he runs back. They do the other camp is still doing grenade training, so he just sprints back with Tycho with as Hitler dancing in the background.
0: Oh that's such a good scene.
1: <laughs> so good. That's also also in the trailer. Yeah. Um grabs the grenade, throws it, bounces off a tree, straight back at him, and that's where he gets his face blown up slightly and his leg damaged and he has to leave the camp.
0: Yeah, and then like so, then he has to like, he go, gets like medical attention, whatever. And then I think that's when we're is that when we're introduced to Sky? I don't know Scott Johansson would have been before that. Um, but yeah, so he's like injured, so he can't be part of the camp anymore. So he has to like work, uh, in like this office where Sam Rockwell I can't pronounce that name. Klendel Klendeldorf uh, works there because he got demoted to like office work. So he like does like errands for him, like going around, like fairly grim stuff. It's like here, go around and like hand out these conscriptions and stuff and you're like this is that is great like it's hard, like this movie does such a good job like it does such a good job of like ma- f- making fun of and just have like these comedic turns on these really grim things that happened do you know what I mean it's like oh Jojo go ahead with this and it's just like go force these men like to go off to war and take a gun with you and you laugh but you think holy shit like this shit happened it's very it's very well done and that like it kind of reminds you of the horrors of it all but at the same time finds the levity in it and how bizarre it all is yeah it's like
1: that scene where Jojo's brought into the office where he's going to work now um his man brings him in and knees um sam rockwell's character balls, and then rebel wilson is like oh yeah we can find work for you jojo you could walk the clones and you just see a set of twins playing chess oh, so funny
0: <laughs> there's like what's so it's like four there's like eight of them isn't there like in that yeah. one shot um and it's something i didn't know i thought that they were all cgi but apparently it's the it's the younger twins of the main guy uh jojo's the actor so i have the name of the characters here uh, the twins gilby and hardy griffin davis play the clones um <laughs> but like they're just scattered throughout the movie in these cameo roles so just it's like it's just bizarre there's like eight of these identical people walking around like blonde hair blue eyes the whole shebang <laughs> go out and walk the clones oh it's so good
1: yeah just them throwaway lines that are just great it's like oh no that's kind of true
0: <laughs> um, and then I think at this point then We co- we kind of get introduced to Elsa, isn't it? It would be around here, wouldn't it? Yeah,
1: so he comes home early from work I think it's his first or second day of work He comes home early He hears a noise upstairs He goes upstairs, he sees what it is And he finds this girl who he doesn't recognise Basically hiding in behind the wall mm. And it's obvious, I suppose, that she's Jewish um, So his mum <laughs> Not just like... Been-
0: not just playing a really extended game of hide-and-seek, <laughs> it's just... <laughs> <laughs> um, the words
1: along game. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, so he finds this Jewish girl, he panics, doesn't know what to do, he asks Hitler what to do. So he goes down, to Hitler tells him to get it, well, in his head. So he goes down and says, get the knife. No, he gets his knife.
0: Yeah.
1: She sort of tries to stab her, she just takes the knife off him.
0: So she's like, so he's like 10 maybe and she's maybe something like 16, 17 or something. So she's still a bit bigger and she's just like, so he's been given this knife as part of his like summer camp. Like, I don't know what you say, but he's been issued a knife and he's been told to look after it. And She takes it Um, she like wrestles it off him. And then he goes back in again with like, does he have a pot in his head? Or did I just make that yeah. up? Potting his head and then like grabs a kitchen knife uh, and then she takes that off him as well. And then, oh, the, I forget the line, but does Hitler have a good line here about like, you know, you better think of something soon, you're running out of knives. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, because he first goes up with a small knife, then he goes up with a kitchen knife. Then he's like, oh no, you're in trouble now. <laughs> she has two knives.
0: And and like you were saying about runaway, uh, just uh, throwaway lines, there's a line later on where Scarlett Johansson's like getting ready for di- dinner <laughs> and then she's like, where are all the goddamn knives? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah also I like the way you keep calling the Nazi U camp just a summer camp
0: uh, yeah well like it's 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 not I know it's not but it's what it's kind of hinted at in the movie because they go there they do activities there like I, I yeah probably not the best phrasing on my behalf to be calling yeah. it that but it's kind of what this movie lures you into kind of thinking that it is forgetting that it's this horrifying you know uh, I
1: actually I was re- like some reading up in the movie a bit like before this I actually seen that one of the things that Taika Waititi wanted to show was that nazi germany back then wasn't actually just a dull mess it was actually a very bright vibrant place that was full of color
0: yeah because you do get that a bit in this there is like you know there is splashes of color that you wouldn't really i know it was filmed in like i think i looked it up it was like czech republic somewhere but even still like there, like it looks very kind of like world war Two esque but there yeah you're right there is actually a fair bit of color in it
1: yeah like i think that's taiko he said it in an interview that he's like no any world war Two movie you see is just dark and gray but he's like that's not what Germany was like back then. It was oh, quite okay. an artsy place. That's the towns were quite stylish. It was... Did they actually ever say what town they're in?
0: Or is it just assumed? Oh, like... it's assumed because... Uh, I read it somewhere. It's near Nuremberg because basically someone looked up when they would have been passing a certain point. Like the... the. I think they say it was, was it the Russians or the Americans. It's the Americans coming one direction and they were able to guess... I think it was somewhere in the southeast of Germany. I think they they were able to. Uh-huh. Work it out. So they don't give it an exact town, but you're right. Yeah, no, it is quite. It's quite a vibrant movie in that way, um, and like even from the costume and stuff like that, the costumes are fantastic in this movie. Like especially anything Scarlett Johansson's wearing. Like she just seems to that she's like the most vibrant, cheery. I suppose the the sort of the good soul of the movie. Uh, and I think the costume does a pretty good job of kind of. Highlighting her that as that especially especially her shoes, which we'll get to. Yeah, we get to them. I actually
1: didn't cop it the first time. Like they highlighted her shoes so much until the end. I was like, oh no. I I
0: didn't I didn't cop it until. Do you remember the scene where her and Jojo are like at the river and she's like dancing, on, yeah. and and, and her, it's just her shoes. And I remember the cinema thinking that's just fucking weird. And then little did I know there'd be a whole thing about it later on.
1: See, I just thought it was going to be like a Tarantino situation where you just might like them. <laughs>
0: Oh God! This movie would have been so much more grimmer if it was Tarantino instead of Tarantino.
1: Yeah, if you know she was on? Love no swearing. And, Lots um, and
0: uh, who uh, Hitler would be played by um, you know, Uma Thurman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just going back to Elsa and Jojo, like that's a really interesting relationship. I find that really complex and interesting from like you've got this character who hates you know jojo hates elsa doesn't know her just just hates her outright and then you've got uh, elsa who assumably hates jojo um but they can't tell on each other and they can't rat each other out because it's mutually destructive
1: yeah completely like i think the hate that jojo has for her is more than elsa has for her it has for him because i do think elsa knows that he's just a stupid little 10 year old which is exactly what he said. Yeah. You're just a stupid little 10-year-old Nazi. It's like you're fighting this thing in your head. You don't know what you're doing like.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a fair point. I think, I, yeah, maybe it's more her hatred of just the situation she's in. She has to put up with this little fucking dweeb. Uh, like, giving her shit every day while she's, like, yeah. hiding in, like, the walls.
1: Um, the only time I actually didn't like JoJo and I felt like, oh, you're a bit of a dick, was at, when you first found out about her and they had dinner that night. Oh, yes. And Cause, yeah, so Scarlett Johansson's character, she was the mom. she was basically saving her food to give to Elsa, to Elsa, because obviously money's tight back then in Nazi Germany, so yeah. she'd skip on dinner so she could give Elsa her dinner. And Jojo's like, no, I want more dinner, and just ate that, just purely so Elsa wouldn't eat. And that's the only time I was like, oh, you're a bit of a dick.
0: Yeah, I suppose like uh, the, the, the phrase I was going to use was childish, and I was like, oh yeah, he's 10, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I suppose wh- where we kind of maybe um, where Jojo's sort of like negative actions come from is his like he's listening to this imaginary Hitler in his head and he's kind of telling him to do all these things. And um, I can't like this things where he's always just like, I can't remember, but he's uh, like he's always like telling him to like rat her out. And he's the one who's always suggesting to get more knives and stuff. Um, but it's great because as the movie goes on, we kind of see less and less of him. Uh, the, the like imaginary Hitler uh, as Jojo kind of becomes more sympathetic towards Elsa and her situation Um, and it's great because it's like as the movie goes on Hitler becomes like he's very chummy and pally at the beginning but he gets more and more and more like aggressive towards Jojo as well
1: yeah completely and uh, look at the end of the day I think Jojo's 10 in the movie so this movie's at the end of World War 2 so he was 5 when the war started oh, so he's God. completely brought up a Nazi <laughs> So, like, you can understand where it's coming from, like... Yeah. um, Like, some people can't shake the things, like, you know that are bad from, like, supporting Tottenham. But, like, you just deal with them.
0: Did you just compare Tottenham, supporting Tottenham, (laughs) to supporting the Nazi party?
1: I'm just saying mistakes are made.
0: (laughs) Right, okay.
1: And both is equally successful.
0: (laughs) I can't disagree without (laughs) causing way more trouble than it's worth. <laughs> right, this movie. Um, so I suppose what kind of like we? This is kind of where we kind of start seeing a bit more of Sam Rockwell's character, uh, a bit. Um, or is it like we kind of start getting his understanding on things, and he's kind of very sympathetic towards Jojo, and kind of like doesn't really because there's that whole scene in the oh, I suppose there's that scene in the swimming pool then where um uh, Jojo's kind of been talking to Elsa and getting like information. Um, I'm doing inverted, like I'm doing quotation marks for those who don't have access to this Zoom call that's being recorded days in advance of this podcast going up. Uh, but it's like, he's like, I'm, I don't know, what if I had this information on on Jews and stuff? And he goes, well, they would be very valuable, Jojo. How do you know it? And he starts like writing a book. Uh, and it's again, all that sort of ridiculous nonsense of there's Like they, they come up with mad stuff. I don't know how they do it, but it's just like they have, you know, the devil in their head and they can read minds and stuff.
1: Yeah, they eat the heads off kids and stuff like that. So, effectively, fact, Jojo has decided that he's going to make a good situation of this. He's going to make a diary all about the facts of Jews, which he will get off Elsa. Yeah, so he's decided he will get a, make a book, basically, based on facts that he's going to get off Elsa so he can know all about Jews, know all about that, know what they think, know what they talk, know, know everything about them. Yeah. And he thinks this is going to be his big contribution to Nazi Germany, and give the Hitler himself.
0: What's the book called? Um, again? It's You Who Jude,
1: You Who Jude, or <laughs> something like that.
0: Um, actually, sorry, just because um, uh, speaking of, because uh, I, I was it You Who Jude or You Who Jude? I thought it was like Hey Jude. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I think it's,
1: I think it's you who, Jude.
0: But anyway, I yeah. But I, do, I only wanted to say very quickly because it just reminded me. So this, uh, this movie actually opens on one of my favourite openings, uh, musical openings of all time, um, which is it's all shots of kind of Hitler rallies and Hitler like kind of going and talking to crowds and stuff like that to the backdrop of a Beatles song in German. And it's great. Why I loved it so much because it was like, Beatlemania Everyone kind of looks at that And it's like Oh my god People were crazy for the Beatles But you have to remember Like the people in Germany Were crazy for Hitler So it's weird To think that like Hitler In a way Had the same level of fandom In Germany That the Beatles had Kind of worldwide So I just really love That comparison between the two Sorry I, I know It's a bit of a sidetrack But that was yeah, my No, I,
1: actually, I completely forgot about the opening um, Yeah it's actually great I completely forgot about that And yeah that's actually a great point Literally he was The Beatles of that time In Germany I suppose
0: my God! Anyway. <laughs> so we've now
1: compa- we've compared Tottenham to Nazis mm-hmm. and the Beatles to Hitler. We're doing great. We're doing
0: fantastic. could you Just, just wait until what we're going to compare Ringo Starr to. <laughs> um, but, but yeah. So like, he starts gathering all this information, um, this fake information, because else is just entertaining him. Because I suppose it's something for her to be doing rather than just kind of hiding. Um, and if I'm not skipping too far ahead, does this is where the kind of the Gestapo start to search the house?
1: Yeah, so, so for a bit of background about this, um, effectively, Jojo's mom is very much anti-Nazi, mm. very much a free German. She hands around flyers. She puts up stickers around town. And I think this is basically what alerts the Gestapo is a knock. This house needs to be randomly searched um, because she's effectively just an anti-Nazi. So Jojo's home, gets a knock on the door. Elsa has been upstairs as well. She's not in hiding at the time and the Gestapo agent played fantastically by Stephen Merchant
0: oh he's so good
1: <laughs> who every time you see him in a movie you're like Jesus he's tall
0: well in this I know in this one they specifically put him on a box to make him look taller than Sam Rockwell uh, just so he could be that more imposing but yeah he is fucking he is, he is tall I, one, uh, let me uh, what height is he Stephen Merchant I'm just checking my brain for this one hold on He's two meters tall. He's six foot seven. Jesus Christ. That's like Dev Toner height.
1: Yeah, and he's so skinny as well, but Sliky. he's still like intimidating.
0: Yeah, it's just because of how gaunt he looks. He looks like, he looks like that, uh, that food critic from Ratatouille.
1: <laughs> it's also weird seeing Stephen Merchant in the movie with just not his generic accent. So...
0: That I thought the same thing and then I saw this bit of trivia that apparently he had to he'd never he had it goes Stephen Merchant had never done accents before as an actor <laughs> so he worked with a voice coach until he was confident with his effort he was still nervous uh, he was still nervous performing though until day two of filming where he grew more comfortable with the cast around him and I was just thinking that makes all the sense to the world because it's just like I've ne- I can't think of Stephen Merchant other than the accent he has this is the only movie that, that like, I can think of.
1: Yeah, because the two most ironic, iconic things about him is his height and his voice. <laughs> you just it
0: just you don't. It's like asking like Gilbert Godfrey to do a different voice. You just you just don't do it.
1: And um, it's great though. I have seen in an interview as well that like the way they view the way Taika Waititi viewed Gestapo's was basically that like they're just bureaucrat bureaucrats who are now given an important job.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you kind of get like you and you kind of look at them the the crowd of them as they come in. There's maybe like five or six of them, I can't remember. Um, and they all look like, you know, they, they don't look intimidating on the fact of their power rather than their, like, sort of persona or their, kind of the vibe they give off. Um, yeah. But I suppose there's something unique about this scene.
1: I notice. Um. So this scene has their record for the most highlights in a minute or 30 seconds. <laughs> so what it basically is doing is just highlighting, highlighting, um, how stupid some of the Nazi isms were. So in this case, it's the heil Hitler when you meet somebody. So first Stephen Murchin comes in, heiles everybody.
0: He like, he heiles Jojo, and then Jojo heiles him, and then the four or five other lads come in, and then each of them hile Hitler to Jojo, and then Jojo does it back. So if there's five of them all together in Jojo, that's already ten. Then, um... They go into the room, they start searching the room. Steve Merchant is doing a great job of, like, just chatting to Jojo. It's like, oh, and how are you? Blah, blah, blah. Well, there's, there's this really sinister act going around Jojo. Like, he's he's making this all look so normal when, like, these people have just burst into his house and is just searching everywhere. Um, And then Sam Rockwell comes in with a bike um, that I'll get to in a sec. But he then has to hile all of the Gestapo agents and Jojo. I don't know if he does Jojo as well. So that's 12. So we're up to 22. Then Alfie Allen's character comes in, has to hire everyone except for Sam Rockwell. So that's another 12. So that's, it's a 34 we're at now?
1: Something like that. And then even there's a comment about it. He's like, oh, so what have you been doing? He's like, oh, I was just highlighting the boy. Then I was highlighting you. And then highlighting your man. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then the last <laughs> person is uh, Elsa in a sec. And then we'll get to that in a sec. But then that's another like 14 then as well. So it's about very 48, I've definitely those maths wrong, about 48 Heil Hitlers within the space of this five minutes, but you're right, it does hold the m- record for having said Heil Hitler 31 times in one minute
1: <laughs> But it just does show like, how stupid Ridiculous, some of the things yeah. are, but it does so in like a funny, satirical way which is just the tone that this movie just gets perfect the whole way through
0: yeah and 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 just just to mention that bike thing i because this was something i didn't notice the first time and i i read up when i was kind of looking into the movie was um so he walks in with this bike um sam rockwell and he's like yeah just drop oh how are you just thought i'd come over and check on the boy but you kind of forget he we don't see him cycle throughout the whole movie the only person we do see cycle on that type of bike is is rosie or is um yeah rosie um scarlett johansson jojo's mom so then you kind of think why does he have her bike and then later on, we realise why he would have her bike and why he would think, I better get over to Jojo in case something's going to go wrong. So he actually brings the bike back as an excuse to check on Jojo to make sure that Gestapo don't, like, you know, take him away or anything like that.
1: Oh, uh, I never thought about that at all.
0: I I, I I completely missed it. I only read it. I'm not going to try and pass that off as my own observation.
1: I always sort of read that. It makes so much more sense. I always seen that scene, thought of that scene a bit like, oh, are they sort of maybe having a bit of a, side ramp or something or good friends on the side but um, well, yeah you're makes way more sense
0: <laughs> well it would also explain why some some elsa kind of uh appears um and pretends to be jojo's sister and um there's this whole sort of really this is probably one of the tensest moments in in the movie where you're thinking could she get caught here and again steve merchant pe- playing this role perfectly in that he's just being this friendly guy but he's also asking some very like you know targeted questions and being like oh and where are you and where are you going to go and why not you this and kind of trying to find out this more information from Elsa to the point where he's like get me your papers and uh, what's great is then she, she she's passing off as Jojo's sister who is it implied that she died is it or she's... yeah
1: so I looked it up she died apparently from influenza ah. but it's never it's never really oh dear <laughs> COVID before it was cool um, and yeah. it was never really talked about kind of like um, yeah. it's kind of just under the radar I was like no she's gone
0: it's probably something in the book, maybe. I don't know. But that's what probably something we should have mentioned, is that, like, this movie's based on a book.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's based on a book. Did win, a, like, they won the Oscar for Best Screenplay or Best adapted Screenplay. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: and Taika Waititi's like, the only reason I did the book, the only reason I did this, or the only reason I read this book was because my mom made me read it and I read it and I loved it and I made a movie about it. So he thanks his mom for this movie getting made. So thanks, Taika Waititi's mom. <laughs>
1: thanks if you're a fan.
0: <laughs> thanks. If... <laughs> I can't wait to see all those clicks from New Zealand come in now. to her just being like... <gasps> I feel so loved. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's this really tense scene where Elsa and she's like, he's like, get the papers and then Sam Rockwell takes it off her and it's like, what's your birth? Or does Steve Merchant ask Elsa the birthday and she's the to think of the spot?
1: So I think it's um, Steve Merchant asks Elsa for her papers to produce them and then yeah. so she goes looking for them and she finally finds them and Sam Rockwell just, just snaps them off her. And I was yeah. like, right, what's your date of birth? She gets it wrong by a day or by a couple of weeks or something. Yeah. And Sam Rockwell says, okay, fine. and does not correct her.
0: Yeah. So so that's why I kind of think that like you know about the whole bike isn't he? He's like trying to look after these kids. Um. And I think a, a reason for that. Another thing I read was that it's implied throughout the movie that he's gay, which would explain why he kind of vouches for Elsa uh because jewish and homosexual people were both targeted by the nazi party uh specifically the holocaust so she so he was in a very similar situation to her where they were both kind of lying and pretending they weren't who they were just to be able to survive so and you kind of get that you know when i say implied there is a scene where at the end he kind of goes into battle with this whole like cape and like pink frills and stuff i think there's something else about it where his last appearance on screen but with him and Alfie Allen, they're both seen wearing these pink triangles on their uniform, which apparently references the relationship suggested between the two of them, because Nazis used to put, um, used to mark the gay, uh, the clothes of gay men with pink triangles.
1: Ah, okay. That's kind of quite nice then, actually. It's kind of a nice little undertone in it. But...
0: So that's why, and that's why I think that even though he doesn't do a lot, I think his character is one of the most interesting in the movie, because you think he's this really evil guy that is, you know, very pro-Nazi party and stuff, but then you realise he's just doing what he can to survive.
1: Yeah, but one of the other things that I've seen this one, some of the facts I looked up is that apparently he's ridiculously military decorated. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah. So if you're, I got this off IMDb or something. Um, if you're actually looking at all the medals he has, so are you ready for all his medals?
0: Oh come on, yeah. It'd be a <laughs> so he is both is actually, yeah.
1: he is both the Iron Cross first and second class, which are awarded for okay. heroism, a bronze yeah. close co- combat class clasp which signifies he's fought in a minimum of 15 hand-to-hand engagements. A silver tank destruction badge, which means (laughs) he's individually destroyed an enemy tank with handheld weapons. And a gold wound badge, (laughs) meaning he's been wounded in combat at least five times.
0: (laughs) Sorry, just the the tank one sounds like something you, that sounds like a thing you'd win in Call of Duty for like, (laughs) it sounds like an an achievement, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh it's scary that that's a real thing I just um, like the
1: way he got a badge for being injured five times
0: <laughs> well he's got like a fake eye or something doesn't he yeah or he says a glass eye? he
1: says that's why he can't basically be in war anymore it's because he has the fake eye
0: yeah so he, he I just think he's one of the most interesting characters in it yeah um, well especially that,
1: even in the last scene um, skipping towards the end I skipped to the end just briefly Um, in the end the Russians are coming, coming in and so are the Americans and they're basically just shooting any Nazi in sight and they're all being basically there's a group of Nazis that have been round up into a corner including Sam Rockwell's character and Jojo finds them and he knows what's going to happen Sam Rockwell's character he knows exactly what's going to happen they're going to be executed so he basically starts shouting at um, Jojo said go away you stupid I think he's called him Jew or something
0: yeah he he takes the so Jojo's like wearing this jacket that someone put on him yeah he just rips the jacket off and says get away you like you Jew and spits on him and then tries to make it look like Jojo's not part of this um, and then the American soldiers just like oh get, get the fuck out of here what do you do? go away shoo and then you hear gunshots later implying that everyone that was in that group got executed and Sam Rockwell saved Jojo's life
1: yeah so it's like a nice little send off to him as well because it's you know what's been implied you can just tell he knows they're just kids being fought, caught up in this but it's also kind of so also highlighting just like how sad a situation it was All, most of the people you see fighting in that last scene yeah. are the people you've seen at the summer camp at the start yeah. So it's like they're literally just ten, twelve. You're calling a it a summer camp
0: there as well. <laughs> <laughs> um spe- uh, yeah, like and, and like like it's I suppose speaking like as, as sad as that is, I think um there is a moment in the movie that probably is the saddest of all.
1: Yeah. Um so we mentioned earlier basically the shoe has been highlighted constantly throughout the movie, and not for a reason. Um it just makes me <laughs> remember the shoes that she is on. So just to backtrack slightly, so early in the movie we see um Hip Jojo's man brings him to the square where people have, have to be hung um for being traitors to Nazi Germany and basically she just tells him, like, look, this is the face of this is the real face of war. This is what happens, this is the reality of it. Not some idolized not idolism and all that. And then yeah. later on in the movie Jojo runs out of his house, I can't remember why, but he's running down the street and he bumps into the square and looks at a pair of shoes hanging and tears up and you never see her but you can see the shoes you know straight away it's his mom it has the sticker on the shoes that she used to give out as well
0: yeah saying like free germany or free
1: germany so she's effectively been hung in the center and that's how he finds his mom who has just been the nicest person throughout the movie
0: yeah and it's it's this weird it's weird love scene because i think he's correct collecting scrap or he's doing something and then he's following this butterfly and so we're not expecting where he is we don't know like geographically where close he is to anything and he just follows the butterfly and then he just stands up and the shoes are just there beside him and i i remember being in the center my heart just like sinking in that moment because you're just you're not ready for how he's going to react um and it's and yeah, like you say, we don't see her and it's just crippling. And like you say, it's the best part of this movie, the most positive uh person, the person who sees the good in people, has been protecting Elsa, who's been, you know, spreading the word about a free Germany, has been teaching Jojo like how um to you know be a better person, and there's this whole running bit where he doesn't know how to tie his shoelaces and she's always tying them for him and it's like oh you gotta learn how to do this one day and the first thing he thinks of when he sees your shoes is they're untied and he tries to tie it and he can't and it's just a kick in the dick of a moment of a movie like it's just heartbreaking
1: yeah oh but it's so so heartbreaking it's not really like the moment you realize this, man he tries then you see him tie tie his shoes this'll be a nice moment this'll at least bring your mood back up slightly when he ties her shoelaces for her yeah and he can't do it and it just kicks you when you're down yeah oh, it's, it's
0: but like and then it's from that moment on then him and Elsa are like working together because now she's able to kind of portray herself as his sister so there's a level of, oh no she still hides though doesn't she she
1: still hides but it's this kind of this kind of like the last couple last day or two of the movie and yeah. um, the war is just coming to an end I think at this point we've heard that like Hitler has killed himself. Or well, near this point anyway, but Yeah. I think that's referenced by just Hitler jumping out a window.
0: <laughs> yeah, apparently that's something to do with some there's some other T V show where Hitler used to jump out of a window. It's called Super Five or something, apparently. It references that, I don't understand. But uh yeah, like I said, Hitler seems to get more and more aggressive and there's a moment where he's always wearing these he's wearing these mustard suits for most of it, and then there's a point in which it turns grey and apparently that's from that moment on he's killed himself. It's it's then we can we kinda of see him after he's been kicked out no he jumps out the window and then we see him again and there's like a bullet hole in his head or something like whenever he's talking to Jojo
1: yeah so like um, that's happened then obviously we mentioned sort of like Elsa's free to kind of live a bit more freely in the house we see him and Elsa looking out a window together and stuff like that over the last night of fighting one of the nicest bits actually is first was one of the saddest bits and then it just became funny and endearing about how stupid Jojo was because he's clearly a 10 year old kid was when he starts pretending to write notes to Elsa oh yeah uh, from
0: her like fiance
1: yeah so Elsa basically tells her tells Jojo that she has a fiance who's in France and um, who escaped and Jojo's jealous because this is Jojo's effectively ends up to be first love realistically is what it is like Jojo starts really liking for this girl and he writes a letter to her saying pretending to be um, her fiance saying oh I don't like you anymore. was a load of stupid stuff in it. Clearly written by 10 year old <laughs>
0: Yeah, just yeah. It's like, ha, ha, like I hope you're well. I'm having a fantastic time, and I don't like you anymore. And you're smelly. Uh, just, yeah, like it's all these like really childish ways of saying things.
1: Uh, and then she gets really sad because I think she's just a bit like she thought her and Jojo were getting a bit closer, and then that just brings it down a bit. Not she knows the message is fake. She's just sad that Jojo tries to do it. But well, Jojo then realizes this and then writes a different letter straight away. <laughs> yeah, and just completely changes the tone. But he's like, "Oh, I didn't mean all that. You're actually not that bad."
0: Uh, yeah, and it's 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 this thing where and this that other bit just in that book we talk about like he does a he does these drawings about how he hates this guy and he's just like ways to torture Nathan and it's just like poke with sticks and hang and shoot and stuff like that. Yeah, so
1: like it's literally. You now see Jojo having his first crush effectively. Which is typical yeah. for a ten year old, really. Like it's yeah. First girl he's kind of talked to, like, so it's his first crush as well as that.
0: And it's and it's and it's because she's a bit older, like I mentioned, so like it's not reciprocated in any way, but it's kinda she kinda she kinda takes him in as like a younger brother in a way. Like like there is that mutual understanding by the end of the movie that's like, look, we can't be together, but I still care for you and I'll look after you and stuff.
1: Yeah, completely. Um and then so, effectively, at the end, we do find out that Nathan actually died. Yeah. So, the, so the whole time, like she has known that Nathan was not alive, has never sort of, anything about it. That's why she got so upset the first time. Um, we also didn't really mention Jojo's father, who was apparently in Italy. Yeah. But I feel like he was more of a deserter, the same side of his mom.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I kind of get the, yeah, like the two of them obviously like on the same page about it so i yeah i like to think that he had the same moral or the same views and opinions of the white but like yeah must have went to italy and then ran away but then i'd like to and then i think how does he get how why did he not go back to them and try and get the bears or i don't know yeah his, his his disappearance or lack of presence is a bit weird
1: yeah it's never really discussed but i think i looked up lots of interviews from taiko about this and um, He grew up with just his mother. His dad wasn't around. It's highlighted in a few of his movies. And he said, a thing he wanted to put across is just how strong single mothers could be, especially back then. Um, So that's something he wanted to put across and really highlight. And that's why he didn't really... He didn't want the dad to be just a Nazi at war. He wanted to be a redeemable character, but also to show how strong the mother could be in it as well. So I think he played that line quite well. Um, But then, I suppose, rounding up the movie, we have the Invasion... And we have basically what we know, the Germans lost, the towns took over. And we then, Jojo tells on the last night of fighting, um, Elsa to go into hiding one last time. And she believes the war is going to be lost because she always says, no, Germany going to lose this war. It's coming to an end. So next morning we see the Americans have won. And you can see Jojo's now sad because he now knows that this means Elsa has to leave. Because he's like, no, she's now free to leave. Yeah. So Elsa asks Jojo's like, oh, the war's over. Who won? And Germany, and Jojo says the lie of, oh, we did. Germany won. You have to stay. You can't leave. Yeah.
0: Which is just like, he's like, "God." Oh. That's probably the dickish thing he did compared to the whole eating extra food. <laughs> like, that's probably
1: worse. Yeah.
0: Like, you, you're <laughs> like, ah, oh,
1: don't do that. Because you're really hoping it doesn't, because she doesn't just go back into hiding. Because he does say it convincingly.
0: And he's crying as he's saying it. He's upset. Like, I think um, it's great. It's it's great in a way because another thing I forgot to mention, I'll briefly go back to uh, this is like, he's so angry at um, Elsa at one point when he discovers his mom, Die to the point where he actually stabs her. <laughs> like he goes in with a knife. Like it doesn't. Like it's not root. Uh, it's not a. You know. It's not a vicious stabbing. It's just like he kind of just like a surface level. It's only a flesh wound uh, when he goes and stab- And then he kind of breaks down and he goes from that to then you know being like so angry with her to the point where he just can't think of of her leaving and like the the, the sadness that would bring her because he's lost his he's lost his his mom. Um, and he doesn't want to lose her as well because if she goes he's got no one except for Yorkie who only ever appears periodically
1: yeah like Yorkie obviously shows up in the final fight going to war why not
0: yeah. uh, he, that kid should be dead I'm sorry Like
1: <laughs> he sort of reminds me of Sam in Game of Thrones in the last season
0: in Game of Thrones oh yes I understand now Yeah, sorry I forgot, I forgot. Like, that's how much I forgot the last season of Game of Thrones. he
1: just reminds me of that he's just like you should be dying all these wars but you just keep surviving it.
0: Well yeah and then there's that so I think with how she discovers then they didn't lose the war was they go out the door and they, they kind of there's a repetition of a scene from earlier in that um, Scarlett Johansson is trying to like tell Jojo your next mission we gotta go outside and he's like how dangerous, dangerous is it and he's like incredibly and they go outside and kind of just face the day I suppose whereas she's like how dangerous is it and he goes incredibly uh, kind of like mirroring that scene but also kind of like saying oh it's gonna be dangerous when there is no danger in that you know the Americans have taken over, you know, there's no more Nazis. And she then realizes that America did win or Germany did lose. And she gets, like, I think she's like slaps him in the face. And then there's a weird dance.
1: The most awkward dance with no I music.
0: Fucking hate that dance. It just seems so weird. I, I know it symbolizes something cause I referenced something earlier about how dancing is like a good thing.
1: Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think just kind of thrown back to his mom and it just, I suppose this. Putting a nice spin at the end and has to end on something. But when I first seen it, so I seen it recently, I watched it again, and I just for some reason I thought music played over that dance at the end.
0: There, there is music. There's not. There is. It's the German version of David Bowie's Heroes. Is it? Yeah. Oh, because I I have a put because that song's about two lovers meeting or being separated or something about like the about the Berlin Walls so I thought that was interesting that they picked that song oh, maybe I like Now TV just didn't have the rights to it and they had <laughs> to
1: I have a feeling it did because I have a feeling when I watched it recently it was just silence and I was like this is awkward
0: there's silence for a bit and then the music kicks in oh maybe that's it so maybe you just saw the dancing and you were like fuck this I'm turning it off <laughs> um, yeah that's the
1: final scene ends in them dancing but
0: they're free it's... they're free to express themselves to the open world hence why they can dance now <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, I suppose well, dancing was outlawed in Germany for something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was
0: the, that's why they called World War II the Great Footloose Issue Dilemma. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, really nobody, well nobody understands that footloose is actually a metaphor for Nazi Germany. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like,
1: it's, like, it's a serious undertones in that movie. And
0: the, the mayor of footloose is Hitler. <laughs> yeah, it all makes sense now. Like, don't put baby in the corner. <laughs> don't repress your you know population i don't fucking know i've never seen footless
1: and i don't need to because i assume it's just about nazis i so.
0: ah, pretty much yeah uh and is it kevin bacon no it's it's uh, uh, is it patrick swayze patrick no swayze? it's kevin bacon isn't it is it kevin bacon yeah I-, I have a movie podcast i don't know fuck about movies i don't know i purely
1: know it's kevin bacon because of guardians of the galaxy
0: oh yes you're right okay it's kevin bacon that's fine so Ke- kevin bacon can be like i don't know is he the? I don't know. Is he the one that brings dance to the town? This is going wildly off track, but I want to know: Is he the one who brings dance to the town?
1: You're asking me if I've seen Footloose. I don't know. Okay, do you
0: know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get my friend, our, our good friend David Scanlon. <laughs> David, what's Footloose about? And is Kevin Bacon the person that brings dance to the town? And by
1: doing so, ending World War Two.
0: Yes, please. No other context than that. Thank you.
2: How he is, what's the story? So, uh, the crack with Footloose. Um, So there's this lad, and he's played by Kevin Bacon, and he moves from the big city lights of Chicago to a properly conservative, or shall I say, fascist town in Midwestern America. Um, And there's this absolute snake, and he's like a bible thumping minister, and he's outlawed rock music and dancing in the town. And the people there, well, they're absolutely no crack, they're like zero crack. Um, don't like doing anything fun or you know shall i say progressive so you know kevin bacon feels this needs to change so he gets all the 80s music he can handle and he liberates the town through the medium of dance and almost like how a certain argentine manager came to a city in west yorkshire and taught them how to play football kevin bacon teaches the town how to dance again and that is footloose
1: Yeah, so that's pretty much the movie. So I suppose I asked this about Edgar Wright movies because I love Edgar Wright. And I also love Taika Waititi. Where does this rank?
0: In my Taika Waititi movies? Yes. Ooh. Um, Now, I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen many Taika Waititi movies. I haven't seen... I've seen What We Do in the Shadows. I've seen Hunt for the Wilder People. I've seen This and Thor Ragnarok. Um, And then what's the other ones? boys Boy. and boys is first one kind of yeah and is there another one with the guy from flight of the concords as well mm. that one haven't seen that um where does this rank um ba, 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 ba. so you're gonna hate me and i'm gonna you know become quite unpopular with some people thor ragnarok is probably my favorite and i know i know oh, that's that's fair it is yeah the, like that's yeah. my fa i think that's the funniest one. And I think it has the best action and story. Like I, I just love that because I like my Marvel movies anyway. Uh, but if I you take,
1: a, we both, I have a beard and I look like a hipster, but I'm not that hipster. People are like, no, no, but it's not artsy. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's no hunt for the <laughs> wilder people. It's no boy. Um, I and then I would probably say this. Um, I don't know. I it's a, it, this is probably one of, like exclude Thor. This is probably my favorite movie. But if I was to say my favorite Taika Waititi movie. I would probably say What We Do in the Shadows is my favourite, like, style-wise, that is very much him. Um yeah. Which means Hunt for the Wilder People last, which is actually going to piss off David Scanlon quite a lot. But Yeah, I, I feel like it will. I do like that movie. I just, I don't think it's as good as Hunt for the Wilder People. sorry, as good as What We Do in the Shadows and this. Yeah. I actually, um, what about you?
1: I, it's probably Tor, Ragnarok. It is the blackbuster, like, it's, it's the blackbuster for a reason. And then probably Hunt for... Then probably this and then Hunt for the Little People.
0: And then What We Do in the Shadows? Oh, have you seen yeah. What We Do in the Shadows?
1: Yeah, and then Boy.
0: And then Boy. Have you seen Boy? Yeah, I've seen Boy. Oh, good so try.
1: you probably... You probably didn't know but me and Dave lived in New Zealand so we watched it when we were there. Guess fucked
0: anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Eagle vs. Shaq Eagle, ver, e- Eagle versus Shack was the other one I was trying to think of. Oh, um, i never seen that. Did you know Taika Matini? Sorry. He did five episodes of the In Betweeners? What? Yeah. Did five episodes of The Inbetweeners. One of them being The Field Trip. This is wild. I didn't know this at all. Oh, no. It's The American Inbetweeners. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's actually horrible. That's <laughs> horrifying. Um, So, yeah. I'd say, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, like, look... They're all fantastic movies. I don't think they're bad. Like, they're all great, those movies. Home for the Wilder People is fucking, is fantastic. That kid actor is phenomenal. Sam Neil is great. And then you've got the other guy, Sam Darby, I think he is. Mm. He's fantastic. And then the woman, I forget her name, but they bring her back for she's brought back for Thor Ragnarok she's also in Soul she's great in that as well it's a fantastic cast that's the one thing I will say about Taika Waititi movies is that he knows how to build a fantastic cast of like actors that just fit their roles perfectly it is much like a very strong Tottenham Hotspurs it's got incredible depth it's got a fantastic leader and it's why it's the greatest thing around
1: look if you want to say that that's fine
0: I will say that Mark Tutty I will also say thank you very much for coming on I very much appreciate it
1: it's been an absolute pleasure I am hopefully be invited back if I'm not banned from this for making too many Nazi jokes
0: Uh, that's more the Arsenal jokes you'll probably be banned for (laughs) um but also i just want to say thank you to anyone who's listened thanks to anyone's listened to the other ones if you want to know when new ones are coming out you can follow at reading the peers on instagram you can follow on spotify and subscribe on apple Podcasts and do whatever you do on the other ones you can also leave a five star review on itunes and i'll do a fun thing that's tbd um again thank you very much for listening and we hope you enjoyed. goodbye